Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see your smiling faces. What a powerful time in worship today. Didn't you love that new song? Will he fail you? No, he won't. No, he won't. Coming up in just a couple of weeks is our Easter services. This is a service you don't wanna miss. In your weekend guide, there are invite cards, but they're also in our stations around the building that you can get more of those. But I wanna encourage you to invite all your friends and family to come to one of our three services. There's something that's called a CEO Christian. And that's not a Christian for business leaders. It's not a movement for business leaders. What it is, it's a... Christmas and Easter only Christian. And so we want to reach as many CEOs as we can because you know what? The CEOs need more of Jesus in their life. And there's a lot of people, they'll say no every time, but they'll say yes on Easter. So I wanna encourage you. Some people are taking pictures of the invite, putting it on their social media. There's also um, a video that we made with invites to invite your friends and family to be a part of that service. How many have seen my Spectrum ad on Spectrum? There's a little commercial. Had some people say, I saw you on that ad. I said, it kind of reminded you of George Clooney a little bit, didn't it? (laughs) And they said, no, it didn't remind me of that at all, actually, Um, which made me feel okay. That's all right. But we're trying to just get the word out, this is the place to be on Easter Sunday. Something we're doing a little different this year is on Good Friday, we're having a service at 6.30. This service is gonna be completely different than any service that we have throughout the year. We are going to go through scripture and read scripture chronicling Jesus' journey all the way up to the cross. It's gonna be a very holy service. There's gonna be worship that's gonna be in between the readings. It's gonna be a night where it's a very reverent, holy service. But you know what? On this most holy night of Good Friday... We celebrate what God did for us because if it wasn't for Good Friday, there'd be no Easter morning. So we're gonna come together, worship God together, take communion together, honor Jesus. But you know what? It may be Friday night on Good Friday, but thank God, Sunday's on the way and we are gonna celebrate our risen Lord and Savior. Today we're packing 100,000 meals for Ukraine. And so I wanna encourage those that wanna check out after the service is over. I know you don't wanna miss this message, so nobody's gonna leave right now. Thank you for that. But we are right next door and we're packing and working with a ministry together where this is gonna go right through Romania. It's gonna get onto some Bok trucks and is going right into the heart of Ukraine to feed people in Kiev. 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 I'm so good at pronouncing these words, aren't I? It's one of my things I'm really great at. But what an opportunity to be able to be the church. Here we are in Florida, but we're touching the people in Ukraine. That's the heart of Jesus. You know, I just mentioned it one time on a, thank you, on a Sunday morning and just said, if we all do something, we can do something great. In just a two-week period, as a church, we raised over $50,000 to help the people of Ukraine. So thank you for your generosity. I wanna welcome all those that are watching online right now. You're part of our family, we love you. We celebrate God's goodness together with you. We're so glad that you're watching. Is there anyone visiting with us for the first time today? Just raise your hand. Wow, hands are going up all over. We're so glad that you're here today. Today is week two of a series that we've called Pit to Palace, and we're looking at the life of Joseph. 
and the lessons that he walked out in his own personal life as an example on how we can walk our journey with Jesus out as well. How many of you brought your Bibles today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. It's your word that changes us. It molds us. It shapes us. So I pray today, God, that you would have your will and way. Feed us through your word. We want to grow to be all that you've called us to be. And it's your word that's going to bring that change today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to follow along in your notes and your weekend guide. You can follow along with that. But last week as we started the series Pit to Palace, we looked at Joseph and we looked at his foundations. Here he was in a family with his father Jacob. He had 10 stepbrothers, one full brother, several sisters. Just think about a house with several mothers living all under the same roof. I gotta tell you, Elaine, after last week, I thought we're, we did pretty good. Our family wasn't as dysfunctional as I thought. When I looked at Joseph, here he was. Now, how many of you know that one of your kids was probably your parents' favorite? Be honest, that's okay. I know you're like, no, it's all fair. It's 100% fair. But you know, you know if you were like that favorite or if one of your siblings, oh, there's someone, well, I was the favorite. Well, in Jacob's family, Joseph was clearly the favorite. He was the one that Jacob just lavished favor upon. In fact, he made uh, and, and got him a coat of many colors. Instead of giving one to all of the kids on Christmas Day, no, it was given to Joseph, the favored son. Now here Joseph was, and his brothers were always very envious of him already because of his relationship with his father. But Joseph had a few dreams. And in these dreams, all of the brothers would be bowing down to him. Two different dreams. And of course, Joseph did the wise thing to go to his envious brothers and told them one day, you'll be bowing to me. That didn't create a very healthy environment for Joseph to live in. So the brothers, the envy and the hatred begin to build to the point where they threw him into a cistern, into a well, and then they sold him to slavery, put blood all over the coat of many colors, took it back to Jacob, Jacob mourned. But here was Joseph, the favored one in a pit. How will God bring these dreams to pass when I'm in a pit? And then from the pit, sold and trafficked into slavery. So that's where we pick up the story today. Joseph was sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites. What happened next as the Ishmaelites brought Joseph to Egypt? Let's look at Genesis chapter 39, and we're gonna start in verse one. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. I want to stop right there. When you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is with you. Whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the middle of the storm or in the pit of life and you feel all alone, God is right there with you 
just like he was with Joseph. And because of God's favor being upon Joseph in his life, no matter where he's going to go, he's always gonna prosper because he's walking in the favor of God. I want you to hear this. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to prosper and be successful in what you do because you're his favorite child. Receive that. You're the favorite. The Bible says that if one left the 99, Jesus would leave the 99 and go after the one. Maybe you feel like the one today. Well, guess what Jesus does for the one? He leaves the 99 and he runs and pursues the one. So I want you to hear, God's with you. No matter what stage in life, no matter where you are in your journey with Christ, you're not alone. God's with you and his favor is upon you. So Joseph, he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, in his eyes and became his attendant, Potiphar, put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Joseph had favor in every area of his life. You know, sometimes there's things that happen in our life that make absolutely no sense. And we think, God, that's not fair. Why would this happen to me? Why did this go on in my life? Why were people gossiping about me? Why did this happen at work? Listen, when you're walking with the Lord, God will use you, God will bless you, God will anoint you to do things that only God can do. So here's Joseph. This wasn't the plan that he had. He had dreams. He had plans. And the people that should have loved him the most hated him, sold him into slavery, but look what God did. God took him into the house of Potiphar, a major official in Egypt at the time, and God blessed him. And God blessed everything that he touched because his favor was all over Joseph's life. But then guess what happens? The Bible says so clearly, in this world there will be trouble. There will be tribulations, there will be trials. But be a good cheer because God says he's overcome the world. So when, when the temptations come, when things fall apart and they don't go the way that you plan, be of good cheer. Stay faithful to God. Stay standing on his word because this is exactly what happened to Joseph. He's finding success. God's raising him up as the head of the household. Everything that he touched was good, but then the enemy attacked. Potiphar's wife began to flirt with Joseph. The Bible's so clear about Joseph, and it talks about his physical appearance. It says that he was 
kind of tall, had broad shoulders, and was very handsome. And Potiphar's wife began to flirt and made advances on Joseph to the point that one day she came on to him so much and begged him to take her and have his way with her. And what did Joseph do in the middle of that temptation? I want you to hear this. When you're right in the middle of doing something good for God, there's always gonna be temptations to come to try to trip you up. But the word promises that with every temptation that comes our way, God will always provide a way out. The problem with us in our earthly mind, sometimes we're not looking for the way out. Joseph was looking for the way out. And Joseph gave us an example on what you do when you see something like this happening. And certainly there's going to be a fall here. He did the godly thing. He ran. He turned into Forrest Gump before Forrest Gump was Forrest Gump. And people are like, who is that? Oh, that must be Forrest. No, that's Joseph running. And that's an example for us. When we have evil in front of us, when temptations are in front of us, God will provide a way out, and it's up to us to flee from evil. Joseph had dreams. He's in a pit. He's sold into slavery. Now Potiphar's wife is coming on to him. What do I do next? What do I do? What, what are your dreams, church? Today I pray that dreams are reignited because a lot of you have had dreams and maybe along the way there's been trouble or there's been trials or there's been roadblocks and you don't understand, God, why are things happening this way? Maybe your dream was to have a child and it, it just hasn't happened. God, where are you? Why haven't I gotten that dream? Or maybe it's a job or a career and the doors just haven't opened the way that they should have opened and the way that you planned for them to open. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's something you heard in youth group from the Lord all those years ago and you feel like, I failed my calling. This ministry never happened, and I failed God. I'm going to tell you today, the enemy is going to try to hijack your dreams. But God wants you to re-engage with the dreams that he's given you because I believe that God's not done with you yet. Oh, I shared first service. There was a lady by the name of Elizabeth Elliot that lived her life, and she was a missionary's wife, in a tribe that was unreached. In this tribe, her family was there, great husband, all these missionaries were there, and all the men were killed by this tribe. That's not the book that Elizabeth Elliot would have written for her journey. But Elizabeth Elliot stayed faithful to God. God used Elizabeth Elliot, the older she got, the more influence she had. She wrote a book called Passion for Purity that revolutionized the church many years ago. She lived into her 80s, I believe into her 90s, serving God fully. So some people say, I'm too old. Oh no. It doesn't matter how old you are. That's just a number. 
God will birth a dream inside of you, and he will work it out for your good in his perfect timing. So what do we do when we feel that our dreams are getting hijacked? We have a few options, but I'm gonna give you two today. The first one, so many people, when it doesn't go the route that they thought it should go, many people, they lose hope. They see that it's hard. Sometimes people run away when it gets hard. A lot of people, they quit. I wanna tell you today, and I wanna implore you as your pastor today, when you have a dream inside of you, for what the enemy meant for harm, God wants to restore, he wants to heal, and he wants to bring that dream about in his timing and in his way. Because so many people quit, God doesn't want you to quit. It leads to a road of hopelessness and despair. So many people, they walk in regret because they gave up on their purpose and on their dreams. But there's another option that we can take that's so, so important. And that's to embrace the plan that God has for your life. To know always that no matter what things are happening around us, God's good, God's faithful. His plans are better than our plans. His ways are higher than our ways, but God's looking for a faithful servant that will persevere when things aren't easy to persevere, to get up, to realize that sometimes when it looks like we have a setback in front of us, God's gonna turn that setback into a setup for what he has in front of you in your future. Begin to look at those trials and those tribulations to understand God's in the middle of setting something up so great that I can't even imagine being able to do that in my own life and in my own ways because God's ways are higher than our ways. So how, church, how do we embrace God's plan when it seems like our dreams have been hijacked? In your notes, there's three things that we need to do. Number one, surrender control. To surrender control. We live in a world that says it's about what you want. It's about doing things the way you want, the way that you wanna do it, the way that you're gonna make it all happen and we can manipulate to get whatever we want until we fail trying. How many have ever failed trying to do it your way? I look back at my life and some of the things that I was trying to do, I would have screwed up every plan that God had for the dreams that he puts inside my heart if I did it my way. But when you begin to surrender control and you begin to allow God to work in every situation, what he's doing is he's the potter and we're the clay. And God's gonna mold us and he's gonna shape us and he's gonna do the things in us that he knows he needs to do inside of us to build our character, to build who we are. And if we trust him with the process and we begin to allow him to be in the driver's seat, and we move from the driver's seat to shotgun, that's when God will take over your life and move you exactly where he wants you to be. So when you start your day, you ever ridden with a bunch of kids, they're always like, hey, I want shotgun, shotgun. We live in a world that's like, I wanna drive my car. I encourage you, I implore you, church. Get in your car and say, Jesus, take the wheel. 
and I'm gonna ride shotgun, and we're gonna see what you're going to do in my life today. Proverbs chapter three, starting in verse five. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Everyone say, he. You see, when we acknowledge him, and we lean on him for our understanding, it's not just a suggestion. This is a promise. That when we do that, and when we relinquish control, and we truly trust God, the promise is he will direct our paths. That doesn't mean our paths are gonna go the way that we want them to go. Do you think Joseph woke up from his dream and said, I can't wait to be sold into slavery today. I can't wait for Potiphar's wife to hit on me today. No, he got up and said, God, here we go. I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna be faithful to you, and I'm gonna stand and I'm gonna allow you to take me every step of the way because you're setting me up for your perfect will in my life. This is the blueprint of Christianity, to surrender control to God. It takes the pressure off. When you walk a surrendered life, when you lean on him, when you allow him to make your pathway straight, it changes everything. I wanna tell you a story. This is a story about a tightrope walker back in the 1800s, so here we go. Can you imagine a tightrope stretched over a quarter of a mile and spanning the breadth of Niagara Falls? The thundering sound of the pounding water drowning out all the other sounds as you watch a man step onto a rope and begin to walk across. This stunning feat made Charles Blondin famous in the summer of 1859. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times, back and forth, between Canada and the United States. As he did this, huge crowds began to follow him and look at him and see all that he was doing with shock and with awe. Once he crossed in a sack. Another time he crossed on stilts. Another time on a bicycle. And once he even carried a stove on to the tightrope and cooked an omelet. I can't even walk on a line straight, I can't imagine. But then on July 15th, Blondin worked back, he walked backwards across the tightrope to Canada and returned pushing a wheelbarrow. So the Blondin story is told that it was after pushing the wheelbarrow across while blindfolded that Blondin asked for some audience participation. The audience is watching, this great crowd is watching with oohs and ahs at these great feats. He had proven what he could do. And there was no doubt that he could do it. But now he's asking for a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow and take a ride across the falls with him. It said that, his, that he asked the audience, do you believe that I could carry a person across in the wheelbarrow? And the answer was a resounding, yes, they believed. And then Blondin posed the question, who will get in the wheelbarrow now and let me push you across? Not one person volunteered. They, they believed that he could 
do it, but they didn't trust that he could do it with them. They believed that he could do it with someone else, and they were willing to trust that he could take my friend over, but my friend said, no, 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 you get in that wheelbarrow. <laughs> How often do we believe that God can do a miracle in other people's lives? How many times do we believe that when we see people in despair and depression, that God can resurrect their hearts and put them into his perfect plan? But so often we don't believe that he can do it for us. Church, God wants to do a miracle in your life. God wants to bring restoration to your heart. God wants to move you into his perfect will, living out the dreams that he birthed inside of you and it's for you to believe for that. Don't just believe it for me. Don't just believe it for other people. Begin to have real faith and believe that God has a plan for you, that God has a purpose for you, and that God wants to bring restoration, healing, and put you right in the middle of where you're called to be. Do you trust God with your life, with your heart? with your dreams, with your purpose, with the things that God and only God knows what's inside of you, trust him because we serve a God who's trustworthy. Can you say amen? So number one, surrender control. Number two in your notes, surrender your ego. The pride of life, I'm entitled to this. But this is hard, I don't deserve this pain. I don't deserve suffering. I work so hard, I deserve to get whatever I want. I deserve that car, I deserve that house. You know what we need to do? We need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. First John chapter two, verse 16. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. When we have this entitled attitude of, but me, I deserve me, 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 understand, that's right where the enemy wants us to be, walking right in the middle of the pride of life, which does not come from God. Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing. Everyone say nothing. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but rather in humility, value others above yourself. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. This is God Almighty that came as an innocent baby, raised in a very difficult situation at home, an outcast, betrayed by his closest friends and family, but he walked it out as the greatest example of humility and what it means to be a humble servant leader that changed our world forever. It wasn't a prideful man that got up and said, hey, I'm all that, like, hey, let me, poof, move that mountain, poof, I can do this, oh, here, watch me walk through this wall. No, Jesus came as a baby, lived a perfect life, was humble, was rejected, was beaten, for us, as an example of what real humility is. Joseph had every reason to feel entitled 
He was his father's favorite. Everything he touched turned into gold. He was favored by the Lord, but yet he led with humility. Even when Potiphar's wife came on to him, there was a decision to make right at that moment. And what did he choose? He chose to serve God faithfully. He chose character over the moment of pleasure. Don't give in to pride. Surrender your ego to God. Always do the right thing. Allow your character and your integrity to be in the forefront of how you live your life. And stay faithful to God no matter what the hurt, no matter what the disappointments are. Stay faithful to God. That's what Joseph did. That's the example he led. He surrendered his ego, surrendered his pride, but yet still was thrown into prison. So what do we do? When our, when our dreams are hijacked, what's, what's the third thing we need to do? We need to surrender our expectations. Unmet expectations are so disappointing. Unmet expectations with friends cause us to leave friends. Unmet expectations with spouses or, or neighbors or family members are broken up because they don't meet our expectations. I wanna encourage you, things are not always gonna go the way that we expect, but yet God is going to be faithful when we choose to do the right thing and we allow God to manage our expectations and allow God to be God in the middle of where we are. 1995, I quit my job after 10 years and came to Countryside. I was here, but I was raised up to be a pastor because I felt that God opened the door for me to be a youth pastor. I was excited to be a youth pastor. Youth pastors are cool. Everyone loves a youth pastor because we take care of the teenagers that are driving parents crazy. And so youth pastors are loved. Everybody loved me. But then after two months, they said, you're no longer gonna be the youth pastor. Actually, you're gonna be the children's pastor. What? What do you mean I'm gonna be the children's pastor? Right now, I'm like Judah Smith. What up? Hey, hey, yo. And now we want you to be the donut man? Hi, kids. That's not cool. Now I gotta wear like pastels and painter's pants and bounce around and... It was disappointing, but I didn't quit. And I saw that God began to use that. And as I look back, God was using all of these disappointments as testing, but also as preparation for where he wanted me to be. So how I started in ministry was in the preschool. Did that for five years. Ended up in the elementary school for a couple of years. And then went to middle school ministry. Some of these overlapped, but I was in middle school for eight years. Middle school. Middle school. <laughs> I see all the parents that are twitching during service because your kids are in middle school. Well, I did that for eight years. But it was preparing me. And then I was the high school pastor for 12 years. See, God restores when you're faithful. God puts you right where you want to be when you're faithful, when you don't quit. When I was donut man, I wanted to quit. But God was molding. God was shaping. A few years ago, I was able to, to launch a young adult ministry in my home with my wife, and Pastor Tim took that over with, with Elaine. But God was using it. 
You see, all of those things were in preparation for me on the destination that God had for me. All of that was preparing me to be well-balanced in the approach that I would have as a senior pastor. Our nurseries matter at Countryside. We want the very best nurseries for our kids because I was in there. I see what it does in the lives of a four and five-year-old, a three-year-old, a newborn. Being with the children those years, now I see how important those kids came running, excited, and it was the very foundation of children's life. That's important to me as a lead pastor because I saw it and I served in there and I saw the difference that it made. Youth ministry is always gonna be hugely important at Countryside. Why? I was a youth pastor for 20 years. The next generation has to be poured into. We have to believe in our teenagers and our teenagers are going to be leading our church very shortly. We gotta pour into that and we gotta believe that. I was the executive pastor handling all the finances and all the different things for 10 years. So now I understand insurance, I understand budgets, I understand salary structures, and it was all in preparation for where I am right now. It wasn't how I expected it to go. If I was writing my journey, I would have written that completely different. I would have just stayed the cool youth pastor for 50 years. If it was my, if I would have written it out, I would have never written a chapter about being a lead pastor. I'm an introvert. All you guys are looking at me right now. <laughs> but you gotta understand, everything that you go through, everything that you go through in your journey called life, if you have the expectation that God's good, God's with you, God has a plan, through every mountaintop and through every valley of your life. Surrender your life to God's plan. Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. I'm sure at the moment he's like, good Lord, can I catch a break? It all started with these dreams and this jacket. And now I'm in prison. But even in prison, Joseph was elevated because he didn't give up. He kept his eye on the prize. And even in prison, God was with him and God's favor was still on Joseph. We're gonna, this is gonna be a theme every week. Genesis 50, 20. It says, you intended to harm me. The enemy intends to harm you, church. Know that. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of, of many lives. His plans are always different than our plans, but God's plan is preparing you for something greater than you can even imagine. Embrace God in the middle of wherever you are today because God's got a plan. God's not done yet. Stay faithful, stay consistent, stay true. Keep your character and your integrity in front of you. God's in the middle of it all. I wanna close with this section of the story. Verse 20 it says, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Isn't that comforting? The Lord was with him right there. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He's in jail. And the warden now is favoring Joseph. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. 
the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph wouldn't have written it that way. Now he's in prison, but while he's in prison, he's staying faithful. While he's staying faithful, God continues to pour out his grace upon Joseph. God continues to raise him up. He's going to prison not knowing what's gonna happen in prison, but God's favor, when God's favor's on you, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter who's around you, God will bless you and favor will reign in your life. It happened to Joseph. He ran the prison. The warden took a nap while Joseph was in prison. That is the favor of God in Joseph's life. And that's the example that we need to take as we look at Joseph's life to see a guy who was faithful, a guy who was challenged, a guy who became an underdog, a guy that it looked like it wasn't fair. He always did the right thing, but this isn't fair, this isn't fair, this isn't fair. But he stayed faithful to God and God raised him up. No matter where he was, because of his faithfulness and because of the favor of God, God raised him up. No matter where you are, church, you walk in the favor of God, you receive his favor and you walk in it, God's gonna raise you up. God's gonna restore your heart. God's gonna restore your dreams. But the key, don't quit. Don't give up. Let faith rise up in your heart. Don't quit because God is always faithful to us. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Lord, we love you so much. We stand every day in your faithfulness. Open our hearts today. Those that are hurting, I pray that you would bring restoration and healing. Those that have felt like they're, they're down and out or they're counted out or their dreams are dead, resurrect those dreams in their hearts today that they would know that, Father, you're not done with them yet, but really you're just getting started. You're just getting started and you are gonna turn around what the enemy meant for harm to bring good, to bring the plan that you have for each of us into fruition as we stand and don't quit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna dismiss in just a moment. But maybe you're here today. You'd say, Pastor Glenn, I know why I'm here. God ordained for me to be here to hear that message. Maybe you've given up. God's speaking to you right now and saying, don't give up. You're just getting started. Maybe you need healing in your heart. God's saying, I'm gonna bring healing to your heart. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you walked away from God. Today is the day that Jesus' hand is outstretched to you and says, come home. I love you. I've got a plan for your life. But you've got to allow me, Jesus Christ, allow the Lord to his rightful place on the throne of your heart to remove yourself, to remove your control, and allow God full control as you surrender to him. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Glenn, will you pray for me? I want that. I want that relationship with God. I want to see God resurrect those dreams in my heart. I want to know him intimately. And I want to know him as my savior. If that's you, when I count to three, I'm not going to call you out, but I just want you to raise your hand and look at me. When I see your hand, you can put it down. Hands are already going up. But this is the day for you. One, two, three. Raise it up high. Will you look at me when you do that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Hands going up all over. Yes, sir, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. 
If you're in the incline, just raise your hand up high. Yes, thank you, thank you, yes. Yes, coming over to this side. Yes, thank you, young man, yes. Praise God, yes, yes, I see your hand. Thank you so much. Can we give the Lord a great praise offering for all the people responding today? Can you just repeat this prayer after me today as we close this service out? Father, thank you that you put the dreams in my heart and those dreams are gonna be revived today. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Restore what's been stolen. Today, I receive you, Jesus, as my pilot, as my king, as my promise keeper, as my savior, and truly my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Countryside. I love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We love you too, Pastor Glenn. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing today? And if the altar prayer team would please come to the front. If you raised your hand to receive Jesus, pray that prayer for the first time. We have a book for you called A Fresh Start with God. It's free. Just come up after we dismiss, see one of the altar prayer team members, and you'll get that for free. To receive your blessing now, if you would just, you can just raise your hearts, you can turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you in every way. May he be with you in every discouragement. May you know that your dreams Oh, God has something even better for you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I wanna encourage you to walk over to the Student Center and see what's going on over there with the meal packing for Ukraine, it is pretty amazing. And I'll see you on Worship Wednesday. <laughs>